Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. I didn't see a doctor for the gut issues until I was about 18. So it was just kind of, you got to live with it. Uh, It's just the way it is because my mother had it as well. And Mm -hmm. that's just how she dealt with it. So at 18, I went to see a a specialist and he gave me a colonoscopy and he said, everything's fine. You have IBS, just eat more fiber. And (laughs) that is probably the most common story that people with gut issues have. Well, hello, my friends, and welcome back to another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. My name is Evan Transu, aka Detective Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. We are talking to Monica Boyle, and she is someone who I really admire. I really was impressed with her, and I think you guys know all too well. That's something I feel for many of the people that come on here, if not all of the people. But I have to admit, there was something particularly special about her story, because with where she was at with her health, I was very surprised to find through the interview process that it was only a few years ago that she even got into this. This was a brand new thing for her, and she got to work quickly. She got into this stuff. She's taken FDN. She did a few other courses even, and then she now has a book, which we'll mention in the end of this um, podcast, and she started her own podcast, which we'll also mention too. It's like, okay, wow, total career change, total lifestyle change. I love people that just know what they're doing and just decide, all right, this is what I want. I've been looking for something like this, and I'm not going back. So she is an FDN who helps mindful people struggling with gut issues and anxiety find their food freedom, digestive, and stress relief so they feel relaxed and in control of their lives. Monica's practice is rooted in simplicity and creativity, two things that helped her achieve better health. She struggled with severe SIBO, IBS, and anxiety. Monica tolerated her health issues while living in New York City. She was striving to dance professionally and pay her bills off by working in restaurants. But after seven years of chronic stress, over-exercising, and multiple antibiotic treatments for SIBO, she changed course to become a functional diagnostic nutrition practitioner and health coach. So she discovered the FDN course and went through that. And she also has completed several courses by the SIBO doctor. And I apologize here. I'm just going to spell them out because I couldn't even uh, find a place to hear his name pronounced, Dr. Jason H-A-W-R-E-L-A-C-K, Harlack. <laughs> and the reality of health in our modern world began to sink in as she was doing these programs like FDN and the stuff with Dr. Jason. Through healing herself and now helping others, she has found that the key to healing the gut goes far beyond restrictive dieting and herbal supplements. (laughs) She emphasizes stress reduction and environmental factors while using diet and supplement protocols as tools to support the big picture of healing. With Monica's advanced background in movement, she also incorporates creative movement uh, movement and breathwork sessions that balance the nervous system, correct improper breathing, and reduce anxiety. It is truly a unique experience designed for sustainability, so people have the tools to take back control of their health. Again, I can't really stress enough that this person came after 28 years of life, professional dancing, bartending, not into this stuff at all. And then went and said, okay, I'm not only going to learn about this to heal my decades worth of health issues, but I'm going to educate myself enough so that I can go help other people with this, write a book, start a podcast, and do that all within like a three-year span. That's 
pretty darn impressive, and I think you guys are going to really love this episode and learn quite a bit. So without further ado, let's get to the episode. Okay. Hey there, Monica. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks, Evan. I'm really excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we have a fellow podcast host on the show today, and it's really amazing how many FDNs have taken the initiative to go do this and set up things, because we need as many people sharing this information as possible. So we will make sure to shout that out at the end so people can know kind of what you're talking about over there and where they can find you. But to get things rolling, just to jump right into it, we always start this podcast off with the exact same question and you can answer it as in-depth as you'd like or as concisely as you'd like. But the question is just, when did the health journey start for Monica? And what I mean by that really is when did the symptoms start? Like what age, what did they look like? Uh, when I popped out of my mother's womb, <laughs> truthfully, uh, yes. So I was a C-section, so I was actually grabbed from my mother's womb. And we all know what that can do to a baby. Um, I, I was colicky as a child. I had multiple rounds of antibiotics growing up uh, and standard American diet. So I had massive, you guessed it, gut issues from birth until adulthood. Um, yes. So birth, that's the question. That's the answer. <laughs> okay. So obviously, well, I shouldn't say obviously because depending on uh, the parent and the family, it could be different. Was your family one that was into the natural side of things? Like, were they helping out at all? Or is this something you just stumbled upon eventually down the road? Yeah, absolutely not. I had to really figure it out my own way. Um, my, my mother was always on a diet, you know, in the 90s and in the early 2000s. So our food was full of healthy processed food, you know, like the diet. I remember... Um, the like devil cakes that came in the package that were like 90 calories. And actually my friends used to joke and they would, they would come over looking for snacks and they'd be like, no, we don't go to Monica's because she's got sugar-free pixie sticks. <laughs> and, <laughs> and so we thought we were being healthy. We really did. My mother thought that she was doing everything she could to stay, you know, skinny and in shape. Mm -hmm. But as far as um, natural healing, there was no concept of that at all. Okay. It was just, you know, processed foods and um, and the diet stuff um, and then conventional medicine all the way through until sure. about 28 years old. Yeah. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So let's dive into some specifics because gut issues is something that I think we all have something in our head when you say that. I know I certainly do, but then I'm remembering like, okay, wow, this could be such a wide range of different symptoms and experiences. So when you say that you had these gut issues from, I mean, let's call it day one, it sounds like as early as you can remember, you were experiencing these things. What did some of those symptoms look like maybe specifically? Um, I used to call them episodes. <laughs> so basically I would eat, I, I would get a stomach ache. And again, I didn't have any concept of my anatomy. So I thought it was all stomach related. I would, um, you know, have cramping and, and have to go to the bathroom and it would be kind of an emergency. And so there was just a lot of abdominal discomfort and bloating. And then once I got into my adult years and my life became much more stressful, then these symptoms escalated, um, into SIBO, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth. And that was when I had I mean, nobody ever talks about this. And I'm somebody who has been very open since the beginning of, I mean, since I can remember actually about my gut issues. But for me, it was like the gas, the bloating and 
diarrhea that was completely debilitating. And it's it's hard because people don't want to talk about that. They don't want to admit that they have this horrible gas that is just so embarrassing. But it's something that I think not necessarily needs to be normalized, but it, it was easier for me to talk about because uh, I felt like other people experienced that as well. And it just made it seem like I wasn't alone, I guess. So, okay. yeah. Sure. And well, I mean, for anyone that's happening to be turning into the first time, uh, this podcast, <laughs> man, there's nothing off limits. We're on episode, I guess this will be, uh, you know, late 60s or early 70s. And um, vaginal dryness, tender breasts, rectal itching, all things you never thought you were going to learn about your colleagues. But um, hey, I've been there. I've been there for sure with my own stuff. So I always appreciate anyone's transparency and vulnerability because there are, it's not even hundreds of thousands. It is tens of millions in America alone, let alone around the world that are dealing with these symptoms on a daily basis and probably a hundred million plus that are dealing with it annually or at some point in their life. So it's like, we got to just create a, a society where we can talk about this stuff and not feel embarrassed and ashamed. It's, right. it's so silly. Um, I think that's half the reason we're in the problem that we are is because no one realizes that so many other people are also suffering. Um, so when you were sharing that with others, like, what do you mean? You just share that with like your parents? Like, did it seem that, did they uh, have these well, issues too? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So actually, you know, we had, the way that we coped about it was through humor. And um, my mother's maiden name is Fujiasco. And so she has gut issues. Uh, my grandfather had gut issues on the Fujiasco side, and it became the Fujiasco syndrome. It became just genetics. You know, it's just the way it is. It's just the way your body is. And mm -hmm. I would talk about it with my friends a lot because I would often get like feel sick at friends' houses, and so it just kind of became a part of my identity. And I would, I, I would talk about it with coworkers or with friends, but more so not like blabbing about it, but I don't know, it just would come up naturally. And I would be like, yeah, I, I have these issues. And, or I don't know, I felt like that was the only way I could really cope with it is if it was out in the open, yeah. because then I wouldn't feel so bad if something did happen. It was like, oh, this person knows about it. And you know, you, you, you come up with your own little uh, things in your mind <laughs> to make yourself feel better. <laughs> I totally get yeah. that. I mean, I'm thinking back and I, I feel like I was terrible with this, but I could think of other people who were really good at it. You know, if they had like a couple pimples or something in high school, like they just bring the attention to it first. And then all of a sudden no one cares and it's not really right. a big deal. I guess the, the downside of that for you is that every time that that happens, it is being downplayed. And then you're not really thinking about the fact, wow, maybe this isn't normal. Um, so I don't want to, uh, misrepresent this here. It sounds like, and I could be wrong, in the maybe middle school and high school years, is this not particularly severe? Like this is manageable maybe with like over-the-counter stuff or is that incorrect? You know, it was pretty severe Okay. Uh, during those times. And it's funny because manageable or tolerable, it can be different for everybody, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that I just tolerated it more than maybe somebody else would if this, if it was not as chronic, but it was, I can remember, you know, being dictated by the toilet essentially wow. and, but suppressing it and making fun of it, just like you said, and kind of pretending like maybe it's not that big of a deal, but no, I mean, there were some, some, those years were bad and then it got worse actually. So yeah, uh, it's pretty incredible to think that I don't actually have those. I'm not dictated by the toilet anymore. So right. I, th yeah. I, oh man. <laughs> I mean, I'm jumping ahead, but I, I think 
that's what's most amazing about these stories is it's one thing to have a resolution to these issues at all that we mention on this show. But when you hear that these people have dealt with it very often for, I mean, certainly for years, usually decades, 10 or more years, and then they're able to find a resolution that just shows the power of what the human body can do. Before we get to the resolution side, I got to ask, what was some of the stuff that Western medicine was doing or just your family was doing for these issues? Was this a Tums type of thing, Pepto-Bismol? Like what, what happened? <laughs> lots of Tums, lots of Pepto-Bismol. Uh, my sister would just pound Tums because she had the acid. She had, you know, the same issues, but they manifested differently. Um, I didn't see a doctor for the gut issues until I was about 18. So it was just kind of, you got to live with it. Uh, it's just the way it is because my mother had it as well. And mm -hmm. that's just how she dealt with it. So at 18, I went to see a, a specialist and he gave me a colonoscopy and he said, uh, everything's fine. You have IBS, just eat more fiber. And <laughs> that is probably the most common story that people with gut issues have. I think I share that with a lot of people and cause I see it. Uh, I, I hear it and I see it all over the place with this general IBS diagnosis. Um, eat more fiber and your problems will go away. Uh, and then that was really disheartening because not only did I do a, a colonoscopy, but I did a CT scan as well, which is the same prep. And so here I am at 18, just like traumatized by both of these experiences with no help. And that was the moment where I started to really lose a little bit of faith in the medical, you know, institution. And uh, then about 23 years old, it got so bad where it was like, okay, it was bad before. Now this is getting out of control where I can't, like I'm being, I'm late to work sometimes. Right. Um, and I went to see a specialist again and she gave me the breath test, the SIBO breath test. And then she prescribed me Rifaximin, which is the go-to antibiotic for SIBO. And that gave me relief. Thank God. I was like, whoa, oh my God, this is amazing. And then a month later, boom, symptoms come back. Okay. So I run back to the doctor and I say, can I please have some more of this? You know, and then it's not going away. And she, she gives me the Rifaximin with the neo, uh, neomycin or whatever other uh, type of antibiotic. And so I went through this cycle like four or five times. Wow. I, I was put on this for two weeks, I would feel good for a month and then everything would come back. And I just, I, I just wanted to live my life. At this time I was in New York pursuing a career as a dancer. I was bartending, you know, working in the restaurant industry. I just, I just wanted to live my starving artist, you know, auditioning and trying to pursue my dreams life. I didn't have time to actually think about the fact that my lifestyle was potentially causing these issues. So the drugs, were a big help. And I think that even though I, that, that was an experience that potentially made things worse for me, it did get me through my essentially, you know, those years where I almost couldn't stop sure. to think about it. I think we're getting to uh really now kind of understand as the audience, the severity of what was going on because just for an 18 year old to even be recommended for a colonoscopy i mean that's not typically something that a doctor is going to do i mean they said that to me they i'm literally laying in the bed and they're like we don't get a lot of you young people around here and i'm like okay just yeah. make this thank quick. you <laughs> <laughs> yeah 
Okay, so we we get into our early 20s, and that's when things are getting, I mean, so bad that, yeah, this is, all right, you're using these drugs or whatever. Um, and then I believe you said it was almost 28 years old when you're finally thinking of something different. So what is happening, though, between 23 and 28? Because that's five years, and there's a lot of time in between them. Those were the antibiotic years. Those okay. were Those were where I would take, I would be able to get the prescription and then that would hold me through for a few months. So I would be able to, it was kind of like I went through maybe two to three rounds a year for maybe three years, Um, which again, I I can't even believe that she, my doctor even prescribed me that much because I I don't even, I mean, it completely, I can get to this later, but I could tell you what actually happened with my microbiome due to probably these antibiotics. It was decimated, but um, uh. Basically, between those years, I was suppressing it. I, they were still a problem. I was still literally sometimes sick at work. So it was still a problem. But yeah, yeah, the, those years were still. Okay. So, it, I mean, it's possible then that even maybe more than, uh, you know, four rounds of antibiotics were had over that time. It sounds like it could be, you know, even like seven or eight. Yeah. And there, and when I, so I did a a cruise ship for Royal Caribbean, I did a contract. And when you're in that corporate atmosphere, you lose a little bit of control over your medical, you know, like body autonomy. And, um, I, I remember twice, first of all, I was forced, uh, basically like the flu shot, I was forced to do that because then they were threat, they were going to threaten that I wouldn't get paid if I got the flu. And then, um, I did take an, a round of antibiotics because the medical staff on there was so incompetent that they would just give you, you know, whatever they could. And I, I took, I, I took up like eight antibiotics in one day. Like they, it, it must've just blasted everything out of there. Yeah. Uh, so um, yeah, the, the antibiotics were rampant in my life, not only during those years, but even through childhood and into the teens. I mean, how many courses, that's what I'm kind of wondering, like how many courses are we talking about in life? I mean, is this, this sounds like this is over 20 probably. Uh, Oh yeah. And you know what? My mother used, basically antibiotics were our, in our family, they were our savior in a way, or they were thought to be the answer to everything. Because when we would get sick, we would go to the doctor and usually those antibiotics would allow it to clear up somehow, you know, because it was bacterial. So I remember as a child, not a child, maybe a teen getting sick and having, you know, sinus infection symptoms. And my mom would say, let's go to the doctor, but tell the doctor that you've been sick for more than 10 days and they'll prescribe you antibiotics. Don't leave that office without antibiotics. And so, I mean, let's see twice, I would say twice a year, for, yeah, I mean, probably 40 or 50 prescriptions of antibiotics at some point. Yeah. Holy cow. (laughs) I'm usually, that's not a competition you want to win, I guess, but I'm always amazed. Right. I'm always amazed that I I was on like about 20 before the age of 20, but that's, uh, you, I think you take the cake for the amount that I've heard that was highest. The antibiotic award. I mean, you know, I I don't think I'm more exaggerating. I really think, because I, we would, I would get sick every year. I would have a sinus infection every year. And so yeah. there was, there's at least one in there. And then sometimes, you know, UTIs, I would call, my sister is a, a PA, a physician's assistant. And so before my exposure to the natural 
you know, medicine, I would call her and she would write, she'd be able to write me prescriptions for <laughs> UTI or for whatever. Yeah. So you know, birth control. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. <laughs> we had a, we had a woman on named Luna in uh, really early on into um the, the podcast. And I think I wouldn't remember this correctly. I believe her dad may have been a doctor or something. And the way it worked for her was she constantly just took them throughout her childhood. And he just write the prescription and she'd have it in her cabinet and just took it, took it, took it until at 18. He's like, listen, you're a big girl. Now you got to go get this. And so she just went to the doctor and did the same thing. And I mean, it's like, wow. And guys, for those listening, I mean, I'm sure this audience is certainly more aware of some of the dangers of antibiotics than the average person. But the thing is, it's actually really encouraging. I can't wait to talk more about the stuff that you've found and how you've been able to heal because the truth of the matter is we don't have any scientific literature yet that says what happens to someone when they take 40 courses of antibiotics and can this actually be fixed? So it's just amazing to know that you can get to a better place and I'm sure still getting better along the way. Um, so before we get to that, not to leave people like on a cliffhanger here, I am always, these uh, the most fascinating moments of the podcast to me. I love to know what happens that gets someone in this new mindset because you are in the Western medicine system, man. You are in that cycle of trial and error. You are stuck and 28, something happens. So what occurs at 28 that makes you go away from this? Even if it's not this crazy thing, something made you go away from the beaten path finally. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I was shifting away from dance. And I, that was a big part of it because I could only, I only had enough headspace for dance and for following my dreams. And I had just come off of my final audition season in New York that kicked my butt. I mean, it was, a, it was great. You know, I felt like I, w- I did my best, but it, there was a lot about that, that world that I didn't agree with from the start. So I was like, you know, I think I got to put this behind. Um, I also had just moved in with my boyfriend, now almost husband to be. Um, and so I'm transitioning into this new phase of my life. And actually, I'll tell a little story because I remember the moment when I, I had a bit of a breakdown and <laughs> I was laying in bed uh, with my boyfriend and we just moved in together. And all my symptoms were horrible from 5 p.m. on. 5 p.m. on was just gas and bloating and burning sensations and diarrhea sometimes. And it was just so uncomfortable. And here I am, moving, just moved in with him. And I know I'm going to be sharing a bed with someone now for you know the rest of my life, which is a huge deal for anybody. You're, you can't go to your own apartment, your own bed, bed and just kind of like deal with your problems. So I'm in bed and I'm like, and I, um, I farted. And it was awful. And I broke down. I had a full breakdown over a fart because I said, this cannot happen. I cannot have these issues moving into this new phase of life. And at that time, I was really big with um, uh, true crime podcasts. I love Crime Junkie. (laughs) I love, I mean, I would like, I would get on my bike and drive to work or uh, ride my bike to work. 30 minute ride all the way up Prospect Park in Brooklyn and listen to these podcasts like religiously. <laughs> I, I'm a true crime uh, fan as well. True crime yes. fan as well. I heard that. <laughs> I know. It's like, I don't know what it is about the morbid. I, it's like, I can't, can't get enough of it. Um, but anyway, so one day I was just like, you know, I wonder if there's any podcasts about gut health. Like didn't what? even think. 
And so I turned on, I typed in gut health and I turned on um, gut health gurus okay. by Creeman Grubner, I believe. And, and it was just fate because um, I can't remember the exact one. I think I just started with the first one because the first one is about how gut health and anxiety connect, yeah. which were two of my biggest things, gut health and anxiety. Had no idea they had the same connection. They had a connection. And so uh, he started saying the word microbiome. And I was like, what is this? I don't know. And then, so I'm Googling microbiome. And that was it. It was like, wait a minute. I have a, I have a complex ecosystem of microbes that live inside me that I that determine my health essentially that that determine my mood I mean I was like it was like finding God I, I literally went to work the next day after listening to a few of these podcasts and I said to my coworkers, have you guys heard about the microbiome and they're like no and you guys like, know about this thing <laughs> and I'm like, you don't know? And I'm like, I have to spread the word. It's like gospel. I have to spread the word of the microbiome. And yeah, yeah. And so that that was the moment of education. And, it, you know, when you have that piece of education that it just, it correlates, you know, it, it, it completes everything. And then boom, yeah, I just, more podcasts. Suddenly, I'm listening to Andrea Nakayama on um, the 15-minute matrix and Reed's on there because I was about to do her course. And then uh, Reed starts talking and I'm like, what's this functional lab testing? So really, it, it was podcasts, truly. Okay. So, all right. You know, this obviously is a good thing so I can talk about age because you look young. So I was like, how long ago was this, the 28 thing? I mean, are we talking in the last few years? Yeah, two okay. years ago. Got it. Yeah, right. yeah that I'm makes a lot. I'm I'm thirty and a half, I guess. Yeah. Oh, okay, so. got it. Got it. I was yeah. like, <laughs> uh, so many people come on, and when they're saying like something to twenty eight to like forty, I'm like, oh my god, like okay, like she's killing it, like she's all she got the health thing down, man, for sure. So I hope um, I still look like this at forty. But yes. yes. <laughs> well, FDNs don't age. We do not that's age. Right. You know, that's what uh, I got lucky to get into this in my twenties because I think. I'm just trying to maintain this until you know, 30, 40, Especially whatever. Especially all the damage that we did to our bodies before. So, gosh, yes. yeah. Well, the funniest <laughs> part is I think he's the walking billboard for this because Reed is in his late 60s and looks fantastic. And the dude I works know. like a madman. Um, I so I think that's the best advertising that we could get. But um, that's so cool that you heard him on the podcast and just got that uh, connection made. So you join FDN and this is a were you you were doing professional dance in the sense like you mean because I know that you also had the bartending thing I think you said as well was it always mixed careers or did you make enough with just one to do one thing Oh no I barely made anything as a dancer I think okay, the, the okay. cruise ship was the most money I ever made but most of it was in the restaurants and then I would do like company work modern contemporary stuff Got it so this is awesome so you're finding out about this and not only is this this um, enlightening experience for your own health but this is like wow I could actually go do this for work Mm hmm. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. So you start the FDN course, you find this. Um, was there anything between starting the FDN course and just like listening to these podcasts, like maybe little things that you tried? Or was that pretty soon after even discovering these podcasts? It was pretty soon after. I'm kind of somebody who, you know, I go for it when I when it feels right. And I think I just kind of cons like uh, absorbed as much information as I could. And it just I was like, I, I remember sitting to myself or, or thinking to myself, I wonder if there's a career where I could tell people what to eat to improve their microbiome. And, and then boom, I'm like, this exists already. So yeah, I, yeah. 
I mean, I would say it was a pretty quick, uh, you know, trajectory in a way. I don't even think you realized you did this, but you gave a, such a cool answer to the question of how did you find out about this stuff? Because it's something that happens, I mean, 90% of the time. And again, the regular listeners are going to hate me because I never shut up about this, but I, I want to encourage people to do this. Guys, we got to follow our intuition and our curiosities. I mean, this is as simple as Monica after let's well your whole life. So let's say 28 years, finally saying, I wonder if, and then here she is, you know, being interviewed because she had a health transformation with the FDN philosophy. That's pretty amazing. And I think we need more critical thinking and just independent thinking, really, I guess is the right term or most appropriate term for this that I'm trying to get at in our health right. journey. Not that I want people to have to do independent thinking. I would love for us to go to a system right now that is able to support chronic illness appropriately, but we're not there yet at the time of recording this, unfortunately. And so the people that are going to get results in today's world have to think outside of the box. They might have to put money in different places and then other people uh, are putting money and they might have to just, again, go away from that beaten path and do things that other people aren't doing. Go to your coworkers and ask, hey, you guys heard of the microbiome? Like, has anyone ever heard of this? Exactly. Um, so when you are going through the FDN course, this is going to be an interesting one, I feel like, because so many people that end up in FDN as a practitioner, that is, they've really done a lot of work, a lot of labs. It's been many years in the space before getting to this. So I'm feeling like you probably found some particularly interesting things. Uh, just what you recall off the top of your head, what were some of the standout findings on the lab tests? Even if it just wasn't like a gut test, like maybe you found something on the hormone test. I'm, I'm curious what some standout things were for you. Oh, yeah. Well, I did a Dutch test. You mean on myself, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, I did a Dutch test. Uh right after I, right before I moved out of New York. And so this was a really stressful time working, you know, three jobs. I was a Pilates instructor too. So anyway, the results there, cortisol at 28, boom, exhausted, flatlined, nothing. And it correlated, obviously, I didn't have any energy. Um, hormones were somewhat decent. I also was coming off of 10 years of birth control. Uh, I actually, FDN was responsible for waking me up to that. I mean, a little bit, but then my own research as well, because sure. they did talk about it. Um, so cortisol, totally flat. Uh, DHA was pretty low. My GI map was, I mean, I had almost no beneficial bacteria, no normal flora, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, and so those were kind of the two bigger, bigger things, you know, bigger uh, revelations about my body okay. that correlated deeply. And um, I still have to run some more tests on myself. Those two were enough for me to kind of have the tools that I needed to start to direct my own protocol and feel like I had more control. And so now I'm kind of waiting Maybe this fall, because I feel so much better, I do want to see that retest. Uh, I do want to see that difference because it's going to be really cool to show my clients and show other people as well. Sure. It, uh, it's so special being able to do that because that's it's one thing to share our subjective experiences, but when we can show objectively, no, this worked. Here's my yeah. before. Here's the after. I got better. That's just a, a powerful thing to be able to show people. And it's very convincing for them. And like, wow, okay, this is worth investing my money into, whether it's a practitioner like you or the FDN Thrive program. Now, I know for some people listening, this is a little 
uh, basic in our world, but hey, listen, we all start somewhere. So I, I want to ask this question. We do have a lot of consumers listening, Monica, that you said it makes sense that your normal bacteria was low. I am going to guess that there is at least a small percentage of people here that they're like, well, why does that make sense? So we don't have to go on for five minutes about it, but could you give a basic explanation, please, for them is why does that make sense? Because for some of them, they might not understand why would our normal bacteria be low? Well, to put it simply, because of the antibiotic treatments, because of the amount of antibiotics that I was put on throughout my life, uh, those antibiotics, they don't choose what to kill. They kill everything. <laughs> they don't have a preference or a favorite. And so those beneficial bacteria, and then not to mention, you know, I was a C-section. So who knows what I had to begin with? Who knows what my microbiome was as a child, which is so important um, in the formation of your microbiome growing up. Uh, so those antibiotics didn't help. And that really, I believe, is the reason why the, the normal flora, and just so you understand, we have normal flora. We have also something called, or we call it opportunistic bacteria, which we still want these other bacteria to be there. It's just that they thrive in an, in, in an inflammatory environment. And mm -hmm. so what will happen is you'll do all the antibiotic treatments throughout your life and you already were predisposed for microbiome imbalance. And then those normal flora that are so beneficial to us, like lactobacillus and like bifidobacterium, those reduce down and all those other opportunistic guys that thrive in inflammation um, and thrive with low numbers of beneficial bacteria, those will overgrow. And then you end up with SIBO and IBS and ulcerative colitis and inflammatory bowel. And so, yeah, sure, antibiotics. Yeah, that was perfect because I think there are still so many people in today's world that just have no idea because we're not, guys, we're not against antibiotics. I actually, um, I've shared this on here before. It's worth mentioning again really quick. I took one uh, this year, 2021, a course of antibiotics, technically two, for the first time in five and a half years. And since I had went through something at least kind of similar to you in that I took a lot of courses very early on in my life, I was so hesitant to do this, but it was an impacted wisdom tooth. It was an oral infection that I maintained for a few days. And I actually was fighting it well, but I'm not going to get into a side topic here. Oral infections, guys, bottom line is can get very bad very quickly and spread to other parts of your body. I wasn't, I'm like, I fixed this once. I'm not willing to do this again. And I'm starting at a much better place. So I did it. But the reason I had any hesitancy is because yes, they don't discriminate. This is a life saving in certain cases, a medication that is going to just blast everything to save your life potentially. But yeah, if you're getting put on them like you were, Monica, just over and over and over again, where you did not need your life saved, that is just beating the heck out of that gut mm -hmm. uh, microbiome. I said that kind of with an odd microbiome. I, like that. Yeah. Well, I, was, I think I was going to say gut flora. And then I put like the word microbiome with the yeah. pronunciation I would do <laughs> good, flora good with. <laughs> uh, you know, actually, I'd like to say something sure. for that. And this is sure. something that, you know, if you do work with an FDN who's familiar with and most of us all are familiar with the microbiome and the science behind it and its beneficial um, properties. But I just had a client who actually had a tooth abscess and mm -hmm. she had no choice. She had to go on 10, 10 days of antibiotic. And, you know, it's like, oh man, we just did the stool test. We just, we're, we're right about to start, you know, her protocols and, and really think about it holistically. Um, but we were, were able to try to mitigate it based on my recommendations. And so that's something valuable that even if you do have to do 
an antibiotic treatment, then there are things that you can do in the meantime that will help like probiotics and prebiotics and certain types of probiotics that will help to try to reduce the damage that can be done. And that was, it's kind of a fortunate thing, I think, that we met during this time. And I'm working with her because we're a, I'm able to give her that advice. And yeah. I think, um, I, I don't think it's done too much damage. Let's hope not. But you know. no, and, and that's so true because I think when we know what to do and it's, my gosh, we could have a whole separate podcast about what Western medicine should be recommending in addition to the antibiotics. But I kind of had a lot better plan this time. I knew things that I could add in during and I knew what to do immediately afterwards. And yes, I personally, because this is just part of my genetic makeup, I did see some depression come back in a little bit minorly. And that was a very, uh, something I hadn't experienced in many years. I saw some minor breakouts as well, but those seem to have already subsided. And this was March of 2021. It's August at the time of recording this. It's like, all right, cool. Like that, that really wasn't that bad. And I think things are already getting kind of back to where they should be. So it's great when you know what you're doing. I'm right. curious as to, I know we talked about the normal bacteria being low. Did you ever see like anything kind of, you know, nasty in terms of like a bad parasite or bacteria, or did a lot of this get blasted out with the stuff that you were using? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't even really have much bad bacteria, like our opportunistic bacteria. No, I didn't have a parasite or nothing else. Nothing showed up. My secretory IgA was 200. Okay. It was very, it, which for those of you listening, basically you have this uh, immune uh, cell or um, antibody in the, that is made in the lining of the gut. And so if you have secretory IgA that is very low, then it's basically a total shutdown of your immune system. We need that part of our innate immune system. Um, and that was pretty shocking as well because I'm like this. And then I ended up actually uh, after that test and seeing that I, I did get COVID. So <laughs> it was oh, interesting. Wow. Yeah. Cause I was exposed to it so many times and then I ended up getting it uh, last summer. So was it's it, interesting. I mean, if you don't mind me asking, was it like bad or how did it go? Uh, I lost my taste and smell for a good, uh, three, almost three months, okay. but it was, I had no respiratory stuff. Um, I was doing all the stuff I could, you know, I was doing all the supplements, the probiotics and all my, um, mitigation tactics. Um, but yeah, it just seemed, it seemed to affect me fatigue wise, but I was already so, uh, low, you know, my, my cortisol was so low, my ability to adapt and, you know, like Reed says, uh, my uh, vital reserve was very, very low. Yeah. And so I think it just, it took me longer maybe to recover than somebody who would have higher secretory IgA or higher um, capacity to heal. Sure. The point is though, you know, you're not ending up in the hospital, you're not dead. So that's uh, fantastic, right? And I mean, yes. wow, we would get censored so quick, but it'd be awesome to start talking to more FDNs about their experiences with getting the virus or whatever. But well, yeah, that'll that... be in my in my podcast. Oh, nice. I'm going to go there. <laughs> I'm like, not kidding you. Down, baby. <laughs> I love it. Um, but no, I mean, it, it's, hell, it's worth mentioning because I had very low secretory IgA on two separate tests because I didn't find FDN until the second test. So my nature mm -hmm. path ran one. This was like three and a half years before I found FDN, Monica. Already wow. tanked still tanked three and a half years later. And it's just like, oh, wow, wow. Like, that not I good. Know. But um, I got COVID in January and it was, now this is a kid, just like you, getting the sinus infections, always getting, I always got colds and stuff too, all the time, every year. And at one point, obviously a tanked immune system. And I would not have known I had COVID if it was not for my girlfriend at the time losing her sense of taste and smell. It was really close to like New Year's Eve. 
Um, I didn't drink that night, but I did stay up. I mean, I'm normally in bed by like 9, 30, 10, and I stayed up till 3 a.m. I was like, all right, I'm just fatigued these couple days because of that. And then she's yeah. like, uh, hey, I lost my taste and smell. And I'm like, oh, bad. So, but that's all it was for me. This stuff works when the body is healthy. I'll word this correctly. I think it is fair to say that perhaps something like COVID would not have been as big of a deal as it is if the world was doing similar things or even 50% similar things mm-hmm. to what us as FDNs do. But that's just my opinion. That's not a, mm-hmm. a fact it's that I have a study care. For. Yep. Right, right. For sure. Okay. So you find this stuff on the labs. What does your protocol look like? I mean, we don't have to go into all the details, but it seems like you're feeling a lot better. And you kind of already said that basically directly. What are some of the things that happened? How long did it take? I mean, and then where are you at now? I know that's quite a few questions. I guess I can summarize that in basically saying, what's the journey from the protocol to where you're at today? (laughs) Yeah, I know. And it's like, gosh, there's so much that I did. So it's so hard, especially when you are on that practitioner side of it, because you have a lot of resources and you have a lot of things coming at you. So I did put myself through a a very short, like herbal protocol, like Mm -hmm. um, uh, berberine and oregano, like very little oregano oil, um, because that stuff is, I have like the oil kind and it, or the liquid kind is so strong. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Yeah. And because I did have some high numbers of autoimmune uh, triggers and bacteria, but like Klebsiella and and for those, if you don't know, it's just another bad bacteria, we'll say, Mm -hmm. we won't get into the details. Um, so the, the herbal protocol was very short. It did help some of the symptoms of gas and bloating, but then I had all of the fatigue and I had some thyroid stuff. I had like uh, a lump in my throat all the time, like kind of felt, I was like, what, it's not a sore throat. This is something different. Um, and just like inability to exercise and total inability to handle stress Mm -hmm. doing something like this, even a year ago. I don't think it would have been possible. I wow. I feel like I would have just passed out because I couldn't handle. I would go into total shutdown, where it's like like a mouse. You know, when you're when the mouse just freezes. That's kind okay. of like what I can explain with my nervous system. And so a lot of nervous system, thyroid, hormonal stuff going on. So I dabbled in every supplement I could think of, uh, but it would come up the same thing where you'd get temporary relief. You know, I would listen to a podcast about magnesium. I'd go around and buy magnesium. I would listen to a podcast about, uh, you know, triple therapy probiotics. And then I would go and take (laughs) the triple therapy probiotics. And it just kind of became this trial and error cycle where some of it would help. But then the biggest thing, and I do believe this, was taking myself out of New York City and allowing myself to relax and not overexercise because overexercising was a huge part. And so I think a lot of it was, yes, the supplements were helping me a little bit and I was trying to figure out the best, the best route for me to take with those, but it was my body needed to rest truly. And I needed to give myself that space so that my body could learn how to adapt and then change and balance itself out. Right. So then we're coming up on maybe fall and I actually decided to uh, try out like an elemental heel type diet. And I started to dabble in kind of meal supplements because I didn't feel like I was truly absorbing my nutrients. Mm -hmm. I felt like I was still weak and shaky all the time. And so that was a big moment. 
when I was like, oh, I started taking that with, I didn't do it alone because Elemental Heal, you can do, you can just drink a shake and not eat anything else. It's a, tr- it's a treatment for SIBO essentially. Um, but I used it as a meal replacement. And that was the moment where I said, okay, I'm able, I feel better. I have more energy. I feel like I'm absorbing my nutrients for the first time. Um, and then we're now moving. And then that, it, it just started to get a little bit better the more time that went on and the more rest. But then basically the anxiety was really high still. So my gut issues were kind of under control. I was able to um, absorb my nutrients and I felt like I was sleeping better, you know, but the ability to handle stress was still not there and anxiety. And then I, long story short, basically started looking towards uh, nervous system retraining. And I kind of had some epiphanies about the idea that anxiety and stress is a physical nervous system phenomenon in a way. Like there's something going on that is imbalanced. It's not just all in your mind. It's not just all this emotional thing that you have to talk through. This is something that you can actually work on through certain therapies. And then things really started to change. And once I started to implement some of that, and so that's the best way I can kind of walk you through the past year and a half. Um, But I, the biggest thing was the stress reduction and nutrition, true nutrition. And what, and basically I've written a book about all of it because it's hard to talk about in 30 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, and oh my gosh, I love that you mentioned the thing with New York city because I, I live an hour and a half away. I'm in Pennsylvania, kind of between a little closer to Philadelphia, but definitely between if there was no traffic, it'd be about um, not that much longer to get to New York city. And I have, and the few times I went there always just felt immediately overstimulated. I'm like, I hate this. I, I, I hate it. I cannot stay there for 24 hours, let alone live there or something. And people do not realize the effect that that's having on individuals. And then we just add practical stuff. You know, uh, guys, we're not, we don't wear tinfoil hats here, but there are studies showing now, especially with the stuff that we have, non-native electromagnetic frequencies. Yeah. Surprise does actually affect human beings. Turns out <laughs> it does something. Oh, what are we holding up right there? Because just for the audio <laughs> listeners. It is the, it's called Radiation Nation um, by Daniel T. Debon and Ryan Debon. And I actually haven't even read it yet because I know <laughs> what's in it. And, I, and I'm waiting till I have a little more control over my EMF exposure to, re- I mean, I have read it a little bit, but it's just, oh, it's a real thing, guys. <laughs> yeah, 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 it is. And then uh, as something as practical as just the pollution of New York City. You know, I'm in Philadelphia. Guys, when I drive the 45, 50 minutes to Philadelphia, the temperature is one to two degrees higher on average. That is because of the pollution. It's like, wow, we're really mm-hmm. affecting things. Philadelphia is a pretty large city. It's not that easy to do. Um, so <laughs> these, these things matter. And listen, can you heal anywhere at this point in my career in life. I believe that. I think you just got to know what you're doing and put in the work. But I mean, heck, if you got the option to get out of a major city, a very population dense area while you're in the midst of healing, I I would say it's a very wise choice. Um, I think that's a really great thing to be doing. So that's cool that you mentioned that. Now, if we could quantify this somehow, because you've been 
dealing with stuff for decades. So the fact that you're coming on here today, I mean, you have vibrant energy, you look healthy, like this is empowering for people to hear, man. I love when people get to see and hear stories like this. What, how would you quantify the percentage that you are better? Like, is it like 70%, 80%, whatever? Because it doesn't have to be 100, that's fine. But I'm wondering roughly where you're at, do you think? I would say about 80 for sure, cool. because, you know, we're always healing, but I would say, and I'm hoping to get to, you know, 95, because I don't think a hundred percent is even possible really. It's not that it's not possible, but again, we're always healing and adapting. Um, but yeah, I would say, gosh, and, and honestly, most of it has been in a year, both in one year. After decades of After decades, having something yeah. going on, having no studies showing that you can ever even recover from this many antibiotics, no studies showing what happens really truthfully to someone after a C-section. Yeah. That's pretty damn, if this is all you ever got, that would be an incredible story. And we know there's more because I've been, I've been there too. The FDN system's incredible because you can take almost anyone and within the first 30, 60 days, I mean, they'll be like 50% better half the time. They'll be like, wow, like this works so quick. And then that other 25% can come usually pretty quickly after that. But it's that last 10 to 20%, not for everyone, but for a lot of people, that could be like the lingering thing. But at that point, you don't even care because you feel so better comparatively. And now you're just on the journey. You're like, all right, how, what what can I get up to? Can I get to that 96? Can I get to that 97%? Right. And um, now I'm in like a, per, not performance, but like, you know, I put on a little weight, but it's healthy weight for the first time in my life. And now I'm like, well, maybe I can, you know, get to a place where I'm exercising appropriately. I'm, sh I'm in, I'm in shape. I'm fit, healthy. That's like the next step is like, I don't want to be a bodybuilder and I don't want to get back to that ballet body that I yeah. used to have, even though it's like, gosh, I was in such great shape. <laughs> and now you're like, oh, but it's like about having that in mind of uh, being nourished and having that maybe performance level. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't even open that can of worms, but that's the second time you've kind of mentioned about the, the dance stuff. And I do a lot of stuff in the mental health space outside of this, for those that don't know. And I've done uh, podcasts and interview style podcasts with mental health people. I cannot tell you how many times the dance thing has come up and it is the exact same story that you're saying where it's like, it's this toxic culture of just unreasonable expectations for human beings to be maintaining in terms of eating and the physique. And it's like, wow, like what the heck are we doing? So um, I, yeah, for whatever it's worth, I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at someone and I'm like, this is a totally healthy person. I would never have known that you're, you know, to me, no one needs to be any leader than this. Like, it's like crazy what the standards are in this stuff and what we put in the media. But again, I hate to open that can of worms uh, so close to the end of our podcast, but it's, it's a good PSA for people because this has come up probably five or six times in my career now that someone has said yeah. the same thing. Yeah, gosh, I know. Okay. Cool. Well, we will end on a good positive note here. I have two more things for you. And one is just, Monica, where can people find you? I want to talk about your biz. I want to talk about your podcast, your book. Feel free to do what you got to do with that and share that information with us. Yeah. Well, <laughs> my name is Better Health by Monica. I know it's really original. I actually had, back when I was coming up with a name, I just got really fed up and I was like, I'm doing better health. I don't care. They're going to have better health with me. <laughs> so Better Health by Monica is my, um, uh, .com is my website. And then Better Health by Monica is my handle on Instagram and Facebook as well. And so I 
you know, I help people who've got gut issues and anxiety find their food freedom and digestive and stress relief so they feel relaxed and in control of their health. And so we do this the FDN way, you know, following dress, but we also um, do some nervous system retraining. So I work with all my clients. We actually start with that because we have to build this body awareness. We have to almost sensitize the brain to the body that will allow us to maybe have better results once we go down these specific protocols. And so I offer health coaching with the, I call it move to heal sessions. And then I also offer move to heal sessions on their own where we can meet once a week, thinking about once I start getting more people um, more exposure, might even do a little group Zoom class like once a week because um, I, I love teaching these classes and they are the, they have been the key to getting over some of this anxiety that I have. So that, um, betterhealthbymonica.com, I just came out with an ebook nice. called The Holistic Healing Guidebook for SIBO, IBS, and Gut Dysfunction. You can find that on my website. Um, and I'm also doing a podcast with that book because the book is bullet points. It's graphics. I'm, I know that people have short attention spans and I know that they just want to know the stuff. And this book is really about what it means to heal the gut holistically. And all that story that I explained about my journey, and it's hard for me to really articulate it quickly. So this book is basically all the guidelines that I have implement, implemented that have made the difference. And when we say root cause, we have to think beyond low stomach acid beyond uh you know digestive markers are you know or your digestive enzymes are low we kind of stop there sometimes we have to think what's causing that so that's what this book is about awesome. and um the podcast you can find as well on my uh on my website that's actually called healing SIBO IBS and gut dysfunction and one more thing sure at some point, I would like to start another podcast that I am going to call Muzzled Millennial. And I want to talk about stories and the history of basically why we are here as a society today and have these bigger conversations to try to get people to, to evaluate their life. And it's a little more controversial. And I, I would love to meet more FDNs and more people who have stories to tell even if it's a little political but it's it's about you know think flexner report and rockefeller and why the medical institution is the way it is so oh you're awesome Monica. i love it <laughs> that's the that's the goal in the next coming months but okay. first i gotta do the book <laughs> i'll be tuning into that one for sure i'll tell you that part. um i'd like to finish up today with of course guys we'll put all that in the show notes as well but I'll finish up today with our signature question on the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. And what that question is, as tough as this is to answer sometimes, if I gave you a magic wand and Monica could get every single person in this world to do one thing for their health, whether that was actually do one thing or maybe stop doing one thing, what is the one thing that you would get them to do? Ooh. Um... Breathe appropriately. Breathe from the belly as many times as you can throughout the day. And become aware of your breathing because I think that's another true root cause of all dysfunction is irregular breathing. So 
I know, I guess that's, that's the first thing that came to mind, but of course there's so many now <laughs> that I think about. Well, once again, Monica, we want to thank you so much for coming on. I had, again, a great, great time talking to her. I'm sure you guys could hear that in the podcast itself. And now I got another new podcast to listen to, as if I don't already have 100 that I'm subscribed to, but I listen to them all the time. I'm a big like audiobook guy, big YouTube guy, and I don't mean just YouTube for the sake of entertainment, but I have a, that's one of the only subscriptions I have is the YouTube one so I can like play it in the background and download episodes. And then I'm a podcast junkie as well. So it's very rare nowadays that I actually sit and watch something. I feel like I'm always learning passively and perhaps that's not like the best way to do it, but man, for someone that like drives as much as me, it really does add up over time. Maybe you can relate to that. So I love having another podcast to listen to and I'm looking forward to it, especially she has like two. I'm really waiting for that second one to start. I'm not going to lie that those types of topics are like totally my guilty pleasure. Um, <laughs> I, I always try to approach them from a big picture perspective and just see like, all right, what, what if there's like even a little bit of truth in here? What does this actually mean? Right? So I won't get any deeper into that, but I think we all know to say the least in the health industry, there seems to be some interesting things going on that, um, sometimes are pretty hard to believe are not intentional. All right, that's where I'll actually leave it at. You guys have a fantastic evening or day. Thank you so much for listening to yet another episode of the Health Detective Podcast by FDN Thrive. And if you enjoyed this content, you already know. We'd love for you to leave us a five-star review. Search the Health Detective Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Click that five-star button. And if you want to leave a few kind words, I will read them out on the air for you and tell people how amazing you are. <laughs> Looking forward to talking to you guys again soon. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to FDNThrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's FDNThrive.com. Thrive.com.